This Three Beards Media podcast is sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Christy Taylor started following the Kentucky Bourbon Trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. Just eight short years later, in 2020, Revelton Distilling Company was opened, offering an entire family of products, including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, where you can sample one of their many spirits, including four gold medal winners. Can't make it to Osceola today? Not a problem, as you can pick some up at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery stores. Follow Revelton Distilling on Twitter or Instagram at ReveltonDC or their website, www.reveltondistilling.com. This Three Beards Media podcast may contain mature themes, and if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it! Would you like to sample some of my nuts? And welcome back to yet another edition of Old Man Strength. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing today? We're doing pretty good. This is a better week than it was last week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It has been uh, kind of a a whirlwind of weeks. You've had quite a whirlwind of weeks yourself. I Uh, have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything you care to share or not share? Two months going on unemployment, so that's not too bad. <laughs> Again, I will reiterate that argument that uh, people that the government's paying you to stay home for more money is not actually true. That's not true. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, man, it's been it's been uh, a lot. It's been weird, man. Um, I know you guys occasionally get to see grass down in Iowa in the middle of winter. Uh, I think it was, uh, I don't know, May of six, the last time I saw grass here. <laughs> You're the one that chooses to live in that godforsaken state. I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, man, I've got opinions that'll get me canceled in Iowa uh, about why I don't live in that state. So, I mean, um, if, I think if I, it meant that we were going to live in some kind of winter like tundra, but we actually had rights and and things like that, I probably would take the winter tundra. I am our kids get school lunch, so I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, enough politics because this is not a political episode by any means, as much as we go down that road. Uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead? And I, I'm really excited to talk to this guy. Uh, it's somebody that, uh, you know, I think we've we've been aware of each other adjacently for a while. Um, yeah. uh, but someone who I think uh, – you and I have been excited to be able to get on the pod and, and, and he was kind enough to join us. So Chris, why don't you go ahead and introduce who our guest is for this episode? Yeah. So, uh, I actually, uh, met him the first time, uh, uh, caught him having a drink in the, uh, Sukup end zone club, uh, during the Texas tech game. Cause, um, there wasn't anything else to do during that game, but, but freeze to death and watch us continue to crap the bed. 
but uh, <laughs> and, and then uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I went to the We Will Collective uh, fundraiser that they had. So uh, we are super excited to have uh, the uh, executive director of the We Will Collective and Cyclone Fanatic podcaster and uh, previous director of development for the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State. Uh, he's broadcaster for Learfield. Uh, I mean, we could keep listing things. This is like that that part of Rocky where they keep, you know, Apollo yeah, has all those say, nicknames. The, the, Apollo the, has all those nicknames, right? <laughs> the better uh, half of Sage and Brent's. Uh, <laughs> right, or... yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brent Blue. Brent Bloom, thanks for coming on, Old Man Strength. We appreciate it. Guys, it's a pleasure. I'm a, a lo longtime listener, uh, first-time podcaster with you guys. So I've been, a, <laughs> been, been listening to you guys for a couple years now. So it's hard It's hard to follow Brees Hall, Steve Sukup, John Walters, Dan McCarney. But, man, I'm, I'm glad to be, like, 35th on that list, whatever that might be. <laughs> Well, and Steph Copley, you know, we right. Well, of course, yeah, yeah I, I'd gladly be behind. Uh, yeah, Steph, Steph's a superstar, so uh, we're all fortunate to have her in the Cyclone fandom for sure. Uh, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, if you do not follow her on Twitter, you want to give her uh, a follow because she is nothing if not entertaining, uh, particularly while live tweeting both men's and women's athletics. Um, she also I, chastised me for my Kim Mulkey tweet the other day, but. Good we'll for her. <laughs> Someone's got to keep you in line, Shipley. Come on. <laughs> no, uh, Brent, we are, are very excited. Is there anything that Chris missed in the intro for you? Gosh, no. I mean, uh, that was too much for most of it. But no, I, so I'm, a, I'm an Iowa guy. I went to Iowa State, uh, graduated 2007. Um, and then actually worked in small town Iowa for a little bit in Shenandoah, Iowa. You ever been to Shenandoah? Shenandoah no. is is a bigger town than I grew up in. So I there you I, go. Calling that small town feels <laughs> uh, it, makes me feel pretty. Well, when you grew up in the suburbs of Des Moines and then you're a single guy living in Shenandoah, it feels very small. <laughs> um, but so actually, I, I lived. I, Chris Williams and I both worked for the radio station there. We and I knew Chris in, in college. That's how I got that gig. But we lived above a bread o pizza in shenandoah <laughs> iowa wow. and so i lived off of they had a subway in town and a bread o pizza i probably had that for every meal for a good good nine months there when i was in <laughs> shenandoah so i was there for a little bit and then actually worked um i was trying to get the heck out of shenandoah not because of williams but because of shenandoah and ended up working in, in the nba for a couple of years which is really cool for a guy um from iowa to work in the nba so it was a, a good introduction to wow these guys make a lot of money and I don't. Um, <laughs> and, and really a nice, it was a, honestly 99% of those guys were great. It was a good introduction to, you know, the things you see on TV aren't really reality. And I would say that's the, that's the same for college athletics as well. And it's a good kind of way to learn of, you know, what this is all about, what professional sports is all about. And at the end of the day, everybody's a human being and you, you pick up on that pretty quickly. For those that don't know, what was the NBA job and how and, and what made you move to there? What yeah, how did you see that and get how did that get on your radar? So, um, like I said, I was, you know, I'm first year out of college. I had the job in Shenandoah, which I, I I would appreciate a lot more now than I did then. I was more worried about, hey, I don't have any friends down here. Uh, there's no there's no single women down here. What am I gonna <laughs> do? All this stuff. And so I was just kind of a I was, you know, just blindly applying places. And the job in Orlando, I saw on a job board. So this is 2008, right? So, you know, they had the job boards and it wasn't as sophisticated as it is today. 
but they had a job for basically the lowest level broadcaster broadcast coordinator they called it for the magic and i wrote in the cover letter and i, I applied to like 100 jobs during this time i said i want to be the next person to go from uh, iowa state to the orlando magic like kelvin cato uh, so <laughs> wow. Ke- Kel- kelvin wow. cato was like a bit player for the magic at this point like he had been in a trade and he wasn't very good but for some reason, <laughs> the, the broadcast manager called me and he said, I don't know who you are, and I probably shouldn't be talking to you, but anybody that puts Kelvin Cato in a cover letter, I at least have to give a call back to. Um, <laughs> so that, that first interview went really well, and then they flew me down there, and they offered me the position. So I was down there for a couple of years, and basically I was the lowest person on the totem pole in the broadcast department. So I did any, everything anybody else didn't want to do, but it also meant that I could do uh, – I was a radio locker room reporter – and, and uh, sideline reporter. So I like to say I was the the Aaron Andrews on the radio where nobody could look at me, which was was good for everybody. <laughs> but it, it was no, it was it was awesome. I you know, I, and they were really good then. So they made the finals one of the years I was there, the Eastern Conference Finals the other year I was there, and it was a good introduction to, you know, what professional sports is all about. I quickly realized it wasn't as it wasn't the end all be all. I should say I enjoyed my time there but they work you nonstop and the pay is just not great, especially on the lowest levels in professional sports. And then I, it was just hard for me. I was working 80, 80 hour weeks and it's hard to meet anybody and all my friends and family are back in Iowa. So I was there for a couple of years and then ended up moving back and settling into a role with um, Cyclone Radio Network with Cyclone Fanatic. But my day job all along was I've been in the marketing and fundraising field since 2010. Um, so that's kind of where my, I, my paychecks come from on all the media stuff, everyone assumes some, some assume that, you know, I'm j- I was just doing the media thing as a full-time gig with fanatic and with the cycle and radio networks. That was really just a hobby for me. Um, the insurance and everything came from work and marketing and fundraising for me. What, what was, what was your undergraduate degree again? Yeah. So I was a journalism and mass communications at Iowa state. Okay. Um, so my goal growing up, I, I wanted to be the next Pete Taylor. So of course, Pete was the voice of the Cyclones. Right. Um, and that was my that was my dream. So I grew up, you know, I would I would turn down, we'd, I'd play the Madden football, their NCAA football and EA Sports, <laughs> and I would turn down the volume and call the game. And so when I got to college, I felt like I had a lot of that experience because I had played video games and and turned down the volume. That's how I learned to do play by play. But so I I knew that was what I wanted to do. I just studied that in college, got hooked up with John Walters actually as a junior in college and started interning for him. He's the best person in the world, by the way. Iowa State's so blessed to have John Walters. I would I would he do is. anything for that guy. Like he is he is phenomenal. And him and Eric don't get enough credit in my opinion, but that's probably another podcast for another day. So I hooked up with those guys, interned with John, and then I've been friends with him ever since. Um and thought that'd be the direction I wanted to go. I realized quickly though in Orlando, man, it's to get to the top, it it takes a lot of hours and some weird places and some and some uh and you really have to sacrifice family and friends and all that good stuff. And so I kind of wanted the best of both worlds of having a stable, stable job in marketing while also then having the 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 hobby of doing the broadcasting. So it worked out pretty well for me and have done that all the way up until last summer when I got hooked up with uh the board of the Weibo Collective, and it's uh, this has been a, a a fun new, brand new experience for sure. It's it's funny that you talk about um, the, the fundraising and the marketing because that's actually two positions that I had applied for and tried to get in the last two months, and hmm. 
uh, <clears throat> some of my tweets where I've said, you know, I've, I've just been this close and this close. Yeah. Those are those are the two near misses uh, that uh, I, I have kind of a passion for fundraising and helping people and so on. So uh, it's funny that you that you talk about that because those were the two jobs that I missed out on that I well, really and, thought I and, was going to get. And I don't think people appreciate, um, especially in Central Iowa. Gosh, the 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 nonprofits they do a world of difference, and a lot of those folks aren't getting a lot for it. But right. You really have to have a passion for it, Chris, and I know you do. And man, it's only a matter of time for you. So um, we can talk offline, but happy to happy to help make some connections. <laughs> no, that's too, I, if, if I, I appreciate that. It's just uh, it, it'll it'll work out. Uh, it'll I know. I'm will. sure something else will, will come along, and and I, I've got a pretty good prospect now, so be good but for that. But uh, it's uh, it's interesting. I think a lot of people assume you know fundraising is a scary scary thing, and it really isn't. It it just comes down to relationships and. Um, getting along with people. And if you can get along with people, you'd be surprised how how well you can do at fundraising. It's not about the ask, you know, asking for the money. Right. It's about building trust and rapport with somebody and making sure that that their dollars they trust with you. And hopefully, um, you know, if you can get along with anybody, I think anybody, do, doesn't matter your personality, you can be a good fundraiser. Well, then Chris is screwed. Yeah. <laughs> everybody <laughs> likes me, Tim. Everybody likes me. Uh yeah, I'll just to, to expand on that a little bit. I that was one of the things that I I continued to to talk about was building relationships, being a man of your of your word, doing what you say you're going to do. Yep. Um, but also that you know, there's different people. People have different reasons for wanting to give. Absolutely. Some have a financial reason why they want to give. Some have a little bit of an ego, and that's why they want to give. Some people do it out of the goodness of their heart. You have to be able to know which avenue that is, and then be able to stroke whatever that ego might be or make sure that they're they're valued and, th and things like that. So yep. totally right. get that. And and at the end of the line, I as I would always tell people, listen, I, the life that I've kind of had and, and going through cancer and all that other stuff, me picking up the phone and asking for some somebody for something is the least scariest thing in my life right now. So well, like, what, yep. I mean, what's the worst going to happen? They're going to say no? I, I've been told no before. No, that's so that's, that's a great <laughs> attitude. And, and honestly, in fundraising, it's 80% listening. It's it's 80% listening. And then really, it's solving a problem for somebody, whether, whatever that problem is, or connecting them with a the passion. And it's it's enjoyable. That's why, honestly, like this, this, this thing with the collective, a lot of people at first don't really understand it. But hopefully, after explaining a little bit of, of what it means, how it can actually help people, how it can really make an impact. It's not just about the dollars and the cents and all that good stuff. Um, people understand that it, it is a, there is an impact that can be made and it is meaningful. And it's just like a lot of other nonprofits. It just happens to be a lot more visible in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and we'll get to the, we will collective. I will say the one thing that I really like about what you guys incorporate is the charity aspect of it. Um, and getting uh, these athletes out into the community and, and building uh, a brand and building a bond with the community. That's that's a huge thing. And Tim, I appreciate the fact that you held off on making fun of me at the joke expense <laughs> when I said that uh, I'm used to people telling me no. I appreciate it. We were all thinking it. We were thinking No, I was, no, there have been a lot of opportunities, you know, where, where, you know, Brent obviously has uh, a voice for radio and you have a face for radio. Um, a lot of opportunities for me to pick on you. And I, and I, frankly, it's been overwhelming 
the amount of opportunities. It's been kind of an analysis paralysis for me, figuring out which one I want to jump on. So that I, one, I, I could felt see like, the twitching in your face. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was it was it was low hanging fruit for sure. Uh, so I decided to let that go. Um, so I, Brent, you you mentioned you grew up in the suburbs of Des Moines. Yes, sir. So were you were you always a Cyclone fan growing up? I you know I was. So I I'm a classic. Iowa house divided family. So uh, my mom, a lot of people don't know this. My mom actually played tennis at Iowa. Both oh, wow. of her parents, both of her parents were professors at the university of Iowa. Um, and my twin brother went to Iowa. So I, wow. I was born, I was born in the university of Iowa hospitals. I actually owe them a lot. It's a, it's a longer story, <laughs> but I, I probably have a lot more connections to the university of Iowa than majority of their fans, which is you know, not a, <laughs> not a shot necessarily at the some of the fans, it's but you guys shot. know what I'm saying. Oh no, that's fine. Um, you you've also been to a Walmart. It's fine. Yeah, um, exactly. So you, you, I thank you for picking that, that up. Oh god, that was uh, such an but, easy joke. I feel guilty, but I'm I'm not that guilty. <laughs> but my dad went to my dad went to Iowa State. It was a lot easier, honestly, back in the '90s when we were growing up to get tickets to Iowa State football games, and so we would just roll in. You know, this is '91, '92. And the Blaze Bryant and James the Eel McMillian days, where you oh could, my gosh, you could just get in. I mean, we would literally be in D two, D four, and just literally playing twenty on twenty football in the parking lots. I mean, yeah. I don't think I don't think the the generation now realizes how wide open that thing was. What's what's the old joke? I I put two tickets on my dashboard asking if anybody wanted them, I, and I came back and there was four tickets. On the <laughs> I mean, it no, was. That's absolutely it, true. That, that's also was, like the the 30th Blaze Bryant reference we've made on this podcast. No now. way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I'm in the right place. That was my guy growing up. Um so no, I so I, it was just a, almost a matter of convenience. And then I always had a penchant, especially on the football side, for the underdog. And so, you know, the Marv Seiler game in ninety-two, I was absolutely. there and um, you know, the streaker game there. in ninety-three against K-State. I mean, all, all these memories, I think if you've lived through it. And you, when we've made it this far as Iowa State fans, you can handle anything. And then obviously as a basketball fan, it was great, you know, between the Johnny teams and then Floyd and Eustachie, Um, Those are my, I mean, I love, I literally love those teams. Like they, I have never supported a team as much as I did those, those Floyd and Eustachie teams. And so I, at, at that point, it was like, man, I, I, I thought about going to Missouri or a Kansas or even an Iowa because at the time their journalism programs were thought of a little bit more uh, highly than Iowa State's, but I was like, I cannot in my righteous mind ever be anything but a cyclone. So, but thankfully for me, it all worked out. And um, here I am still in the state of Iowa. It's funny that you say uh, when you talk about th that era and so on, because I can remember as a freshman, we tailgated probably in the most expensive lots now in the <laughs> yeah. S lots. Yeah, it was oh, yeah. all grass. It was all grass, and we were student tailgating right back there uh, with pony kegs and 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 grills and whatever else. So to yeah. see how much that's changed now, and now I, you know, as an adult, I can't afford to park there. Little right? Yeah, like <laughs> I, I I remember what is now kind of like that, like high donor South End Zone walking, uh, walking through there with me and my roommate, uh, carrying a cooler. Yeah, house what and like stopping us to ideas and and like don't you want to look inside uh do we need to do that guys <laughs> like <laughs> like literally like just that was the casual that's where we went and now it's like well you don't see a student anywhere within 300 feet of that area um but yeah it is it's 
they tents tents and hot tubs in the in that end zone like i that was always my dream as a kid was to be in the hot tub during a football game and I'm still, I'm still I'm still hoping that Pollard brings it back. We'll see. See if I can get Jamie to bring that thing back. Well, so you, you know, we have he is a friend of the podcast and by that I mean he's he has been on it definitely once and has already forgotten our names. Um uh but I do feel like maybe we have have sweat I maybe your name means something in the athletic department. I don't know. I don't know if it means as much as ours does. Uh <laughs> Um, we're, we're, we're efforting. We're efforting. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I talk a little bit more though about what the We Will Collective does. Yeah, and so that and that's the that's the big question. And I think what what has been our biggest challenge is to try and explain to if you're just a casual Iowa State fan, I I would say the diehards get it. Right. So if you're on the message boards and you're on Twitter, you understand what the collective does. Essentially, it is. Uh, let's give you the, the story. So the NIL world really changed in the summer of 2021 when the NCAA changed legislation to allow student athletes to make money off their name, image and likeness. What they anticipated was it would just be, you know, autographs here or a T-shirt here or you'd make an appearance here. But what the SEC schools namely figured out is, oh, wait a second, rather than, you know, a couple $500 deals here and there, let's pool all of our donor resources into these things called collectives, mm -hmm. and then let's use all those resources to distribute accordingly. And they figured this out pretty quickly. And some of these, like the A&Ms and the Floridas and, and the LSUs and the Tennessees raised millions of dollars really fast. I mean, they pooled all these resources and distributed to the to the student athletes and everybody else is like uh oh we're now way behind and so texas had formed one pretty quickly the iowa state folks were a little bit behind um but they had kind of entertained the idea in january february of 2022 a couple of business guys in ankeny um, that have close ties to both programs and then tyrese hunter leaves and it was kind of a oh my gosh this is the worst case scenario. We need to figure this out now. And so those guys threw something together really fast. Um, the guys on the board that formed it originally were Ryan Harclaw, who's a former football player. Awesome. Remember dude. him? He's also, yep, remember him? He's also a VP at Farm Bureau, um, and he's super successful guy. Uh, Jason Luch, who is a big business guy in Ankeny, also owns Cyclone Fanatic. Um, Jason's been super helpful. And then Josh Ranks, a former football player, was an offensive lineman during the McCarney era. And he's a successful uh, finance guy with principal. And so those guys kind of came together. It was like, we need to figure this out to help both TJ and Matt. And they added McCarney, they added George and Yang to the board and they raised some money pretty quickly, but then they realized, you know, mid July ish, mid June of, of last year, well, we've got full-time jobs. We're all successful people. This is a full-time deal that somebody needs to pay attention to. So I know all those guys through separate means and so they reached out and said, would you be interested? And it worked out. But so essentially what they have set up, the We Will Collective pools donor resources, but instead of just handing the guys a paycheck, they first have to do work in the community with the nonprofit. And so that's how we maintain our nonprofit status is uh, player X is connected with charity Y, they go do that work. And then we use the donor resources that, have, that are pooled and pay the players for their name, image, and likeness for their appearance. It's a win-win for everybody. 
obviously for the player, they get some compensation uh, for Iowa state because they get compensation. It means Iowa state can remain competitive in the NIL field, but then for the charity, which has been really cool for me to see is the charity gets exposure. So we've worked with a, a couple of charities already. Uh, well, probably uh, up to 12 by now, 12 or 15. Uh, we just had a couple of guys at courage league sports um, playing a wheelchair basketball game, oh, yeah. which was really oh, cool. Neat. Yeah. 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 And that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And then those guys then one, they're a hit on, on site because they're Iowa state football and basketball players. But then also those charities are able to raise awareness for what they're doing by getting the visibility of yeah. the players tweeting about or sharing on their social media that here they are. So it's kind of the best of a, a weird time in college athletics. And we're trying to approach it from, we might as well do some good when we're trying to, you know, sort out this madness of college athletics. And I would say now guys, we were one of the first to do, do the nonprofit angle. It's probably 50, 50 now with collectives um, about 50% are nonprofits. Another 50% are what I would call just subscriber bases where mm -hmm. they just pool resources and then in exchange for a player making an appearance or signing an autograph, they will pay the player. But we're trying to make an impact in the community as well. So we've done a youth basketball camp with Boys and Girls Club and Big Brothers and Big Sisters. We had the entire Iowa State basketball team do a free clinic for kids that ordinarily wouldn't be able to go to a, a camp like that, which is really cool. Um, we've partnered with like I said, Courage League Sports, with Special Olympics, with the Iowa Games, with some other things. I had Will McDonald and doing uh, doing dishes at a food kitchen prior to last year, which, is, <laughs> which was awesome. I mean, Will I would think a, I would think you would have him sacking groceries. Honestly, well, so we wanted to. We, so Tim, you're on to me. We wanted him to sack hunger. Um, so we had him, we, we, but the, it was hilarious. So we're we're up in age with this, this awesome organization, which mm. I didn't even realize that there's this much food insecurity in Ames. So it was actually eye opening for me. So it was in the basement of the Lutheran Church in Ames this organization called food at first, wonderful people, but they had no idea who Will McDonald was. And so I walk in with Will and one of the guys goes, do you, do you play basketball? <laughs> and I was like, no, I, you know, I, I play football. And the guy goes, are you any good? <laughs> I, I want to say, well, he's an all American. It's okay. Uh, but so honestly, it was the coolest. It was, it was four hours of, Will McDonald and I doing the dishes while these people serve the homeless food. It was that, really cool. That, that's they, amazing. They loved Will because unlike me, he could reach the highest level of the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, and he was such a good dude. And um, the stories I could tell about that guy, I mean, he is, I'm so happy for him that he's having the success. He had so many opportunities to go elsewhere. Yeah. But we were able to help him just enough for him to stay for one, but then also, he went above and beyond at this organization. Then he's volunteered other places for free. We only paid him really for that thing. But then what he told me afterwards, like I grew up going to a, a, a shelter like this when I was a kid. So it meant extra special mm. to me. He's like, and he said, I didn't realize this was, they had this at Ames. I'd like to help again someday. So you, you kind of, that's it's awesome. Kind of, it's kind of meaningful. Of like, man, I know what the end of the day we're, we're compensating these players for what they do on the field, but legitimately, what has made the most impact for me, and maybe I'm a softie, is what these guys have been able to do, make an impact with the youth and, and the community members as well. You know, I mean, you, you talk about NIL, and, and, you know, I'm certainly someone like way back the, the Jeff Schmarger days. Yes. Uh, the dude who couldn't get paid for snowboarding, right. right? Like, which was just stupid. Like, 
he's playing football, he's playing baseball, and he can't he can't get paid for a sport that has nothing to nothing. do with college or, athletics. Yeah, like the guy that did the was it Jeremy Bloom, the old Colorado guy with the Olympics? He couldn't yes. even get a sponsorship. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you, like you yeah. couldn't even do that. Like that was one extreme. To the entire other extreme, where literally yeah. guys like Tyrese Hunter are getting straight up recruited away because of NIL. Like yeah. I, I, the pendulum swings so much of this. Like we needed to open it up. I definitely think guys should have been able to to make money. I, I, the Ed O'Banion lawsuit made a ton of sense. Why should EA Sports make a ton of money off of a guy who very clearly looks like Ed O'Banion but isn't Ed O'Banion? Like I, yep. I get yep. all of that. Um. The pendulum has swung so far that I think that what you guys are doing, um, man, it it still speaks to the heart of of amateur athletics, right? It still speaks to to the nature of of uh, these guys are going to get an education. They're contributing back to the community. They should sure. certainly be able to do that. But that's awesome that you're able to take guys like Will and help connect him in a way to something that is very meaningful for him too. And it's not just, it's not just a, a, he has his own burger at Applebee's. Right. Right. Like, like it's something meaningful. I think that's, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. It's, you know, and I would say, I think what gets brought up in the media is the huge numbers with these guys that are getting millions of dollars in NIL and they're out there. Right. Yeah. Like they like yeah. they're the, the guy, the running back for Texas that had the Lamborghini and Arch Manning at Texas, who supposedly got millions of dollars. And it's not like Arch Manning needs the money. Yeah. I was just saying, and, it's, it's, also, it's not like some of these guys weren't already getting that. Like, right. And that's right. now above board. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like when I, before I got approached by this, I wanted nothing to do with NIL because I, I worked in higher education and fundraising for the 12 years prior to this. And I don't believe there's any better, compensation than a higher level education and i hated that in this whole process that got devalued through the the tens of thousands of dollars maybe these guys would make in nil but the more i've been around it and after i've learned a little bit more you you realize pretty quickly that a little bit for these guys goes a long way i'll just i'll just give you a couple of examples we had a a, a player in October, uh, he's he was at Iowa State for six years, and his his he was trying to drive to an internship. He was he's not going to play in the NFL. He's trying to drive to an internship, and his car broke down. He had no way to pay to fix his car. Family's very poor. Um, coaches can't help him out. And in the past, he'd be SOL. Like, sorry, nope, can't fix your car. Or maybe he'd have to do something illegal with a booster to fix his car. But because of the collectives existing now, we were able to help him. We gave him enough money to fix his car so he could drive to his job interview internship, which is really cool. Like little things like that for guys that have been giving four, five, six years of their life mm -hmm. to Iowa State. Um, so there's there's stories like that. I, I would say there there's more of those than the extravagant numbers. Now, I'll tell you guys, it's it's growing as these collectives have fundraised to higher levels. The expectations for specifically men's basketball players have gone up considerably. Sure. And so it's in order to get in the door with some of these guys, the number has to be higher. And so I think we're getting a little bit over our skis in some areas, specifically in men's basketball, but men's basketball recruiting has always been an odd place anyway. Um, I do think <clears> we're finding though an equilibrium of, okay, these guys deserve to get something. So give you an example. When I graduated in 2007, 
Iowa State's athletic budget was $30 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a new TV contract, it's going to be close to $115 million next year, right? And so where, where, has, where is that going? Who, who is being compensated in that? Okay, so the coaches are. There's now over 12 coaches making $10 million or more in college football. I mean, just extravagant numbers. The facilities have gone crazy in a good way um, for some, but also some of these places. Clemson has an indoor uh, putting green mini golf course and a pool in their football facility. Probably unnecessary. Who hasn't? <laughs> Probably. Right. Who, who, hasn't, <laughs> who hasn't been compensated with this massive growth of media revenues? Yeah. The, the student athletes. So yeah. I think what NIL has done, and even collectives, even though maybe that wasn't the original intention, it has redistributed things just enough. It's not a crazy amount, right? Yep. So these SEC and Big Ten schools are pointing $200 million a year in revenues you're talking about these collectives at the high end they're getting closer to the 10 million mark but in the grand scheme you know that's still only i mean let me do the math what is that five percent of the entire revenue pie for an institution you could argue that's not even enough for the student athletes to begin with so while yes the money has gone up i could make an argument that it's been long overdue that these guys get a slice of the pie and so the collectives are actually being embraced by some college athletic departments because it's the safest way to compensate student athletes without making them full-time employees. And so I don't think they're going away. I do think there will be legislation that is brought in and student athletes will realize, wait a second, we probably are worth even more than just the NIL world sure, that right. we, we deserve. But that's a long way of saying is, yeah, it's you hear the outside outlandish stories, but for most of these guys, you're talking about 500 bucks here, 1000 bucks here, 2000 bucks here. Um, and for a lot of them who don't come from any means and they can't get a full time job because it is a full time job to be a student athlete. Um, I, I could say that they're well, well deserved to, to get a little bit of that pie back. Well, especially like a guy like, you know, and I know that he's not someone who comes from poor means, but like a guy like Conrad Holly, right? Uh, sure. that's a guy who uh, deserves to get paid in the Ames community for being, uh, you know, uh, the hype man that he is. Yeah. Right. Like, me, yeah. And the cool thing is, and this is why I, I, I love both the football and men's and women's basketball programs. Um, when we started to present some opportunities to men's basketball, they said, we want everybody to get a little bit of the same. Mm-hmm. So they said, we want Gabe Kalsher to get, the same as Conrad Holly gets at first. So we want yeah. three to four events every year that everybody gets to participate. And they've, they're using NIL almost as a team building activity. Mm. Right. I, so would so you... it's almost like an extra. Now, listen, and these guys still volunteer, by the way. And I think that's the other thing that gets <clears throat> misconstrued. These guys are volunteering <clears throat> outside of yep. the We Will Collective. They're right. still doing a lot. They're going to Mary Greeley. They're doing a lot of stuff. They're not getting paid for it. But we're able to help them, you know, three to four times a year to do some extra things to get compensated for it. I had a, I'm sorry, sorry, I I had a discussion uh, when this all first came out and you guys were tying in the, the charity and the, the appearances and things like that. I think I had, it might've been a discussion with Travis justice on the morning rush one morning. Okay. And he said, you know, he was saying, I think this, you know, this uh, it's not the way you should do it. And that it, it, it isn't as fulfilling because you're making them go to do this stuff and whatever. And I said, listen, from the other end of it, 
having two boys that have special needs. When when they went and did Victory Day, for example, at, at Iowa State, you could have paid every one of those student athletes to be there. It would not have made one difference to the boys that went and went through that. They, they don't know that. They have no idea. Well said. And really, who is it? Who is it for? Yeah, you would hope that the student athletes get something out of it and realize the the impact they're making. But at the end of the day, what you're really trying to do is make an impact on the kids and on the ones that are benefiting from that charity. It yeah. didn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered to them that that you know one one guy would have gotten five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars to be there to play basketball with him. They would not have cared. They would have remembered that for the rest of their life yeah. and the photo that they have with them and things like that. None of that matters. I, I mean, I, I to me probably the most, and this is pre nil, but I think probably the 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 most uh, humbling thing for me watching student athletes is David Montgomery being labeled as Chuck Bruce during tornado cleanup. <laughs> because it literally shows that, that those guys, they their names are already in lights. They don't care about that on so many of those things. Those guys actually care about making a meaningful difference, yeah. right? They do, and I think that's that's kind of got overlooked with the whole, oh, well, you guys are you're paying these guys to volunteer. It's like, well, they already are, and they still will volunteer, and they're going right. way above and beyond. But this is a way... Rather than just give them a, a check to do whatever, it's like, no, let's try and impact some more kids then. They're already impacting kids. Let's well, impact more kids. And to, to their credit, there's a lot of kids that wouldn't go to a program if that was the only way to get NIL money was what I have to I have to actually work for it. Yeah. So to be able to recruit those types of kids that are open to that and know what the system is and want to be in, those are the types of kids and the type of student athletes that you want in your program. Yep. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we we saw that from the McCarney era, right? Mm -hmm. And and you guys, you know, you have you have Dan on the board there, right? And and yep. right. And so uh, we saw the the McCarney era. You saw that in the Paul Rhodes era. You certainly see that in, in the Matt Campbell era. Those kids, they care a lot about giving back to the community. They and they're really I. Everybody in that program has been awesome. Like from matt on down to the last walk on everyone i they've been so appreciative even gosh i'll just tell tell you a quick story so we had and and chris i told the story at the the collective event but isaiah lee who is one of my favorite people mm -hmm. in in the world now uh is now going on the sixth year at iowa state isaiah uh comes his he a single parent household his mom is in chicago and his mom's ill in and out of the hospital on dialysis. So Isaiah is raising his 15 year old sister in Ames right now. Mm -hmm. And he decided to come back for another year in part because we were able to help him give him enough compensation so he could take his sister to the dentist and buy her school supplies. <clears throat> and when we first presented some of the football players opportunities last uh, summer, guys like Will McDonald and Anthony Johnson and Jalen Knoll and Xavier Hutchinson, they said, we're not going to take a dime until you help out Isaiah first because he's our brother and he needs to help his, his younger sister. And it's, but that's goes back to, there is a great culture there. And these guys understand that. Yeah. Okay. Some of them will get paid a little bit more, but they also want to help their, their teammates, their brothers out. And so it actually has been in a weird way, almost a net positive of it's another way 
these guys can work together off the field to show support for each other. And, you know, Isaiah is the nicest kid. He will text me weekly now, just check it in to say hi. And just, I appreciate everything you've done for me and my family. It's like, Isaiah, it's not me. It's our donors, you know, but he's, he's just like, he is that appreciative. And it's not even honestly, guys, it's not even that much for Isaiah, but it's enough where he can take care of his sister and now raise her and help her go to school in Ames. And it's the, it's the neatest thing. And I, I wish more of those stories would come out than the ones where you're, you're seeing the, you know, insert NIL player here making seven right. figures. Sure. Well, and if you know, Anthony Johnson's story, yes. For him mm-hmm. to, Another to make that one. concession for, for Isaiah, that's, that's a huge deal. And the, they're both the, all the programs at Iowa state. And I, I know it gets kind of, it's kind of hokey, but they literally are doing it the Iowa state way. And I think, we know we're never going to outspend people, but if we can benefit not only the, the student athletes, but then the, the representatives in the community and youth in central Iowa, I mean, we, this doesn't have to be the boogeyman of, of NIL conversation. It can hopefully be a, a good thing that helps everybody. And, you know, honestly, guys, I've been overwhelmed with the support of the donors. I think people are finally catching on that. All right, this is something that we kind of feel like we have to do, but let's, let's make the best out of a weird situation. And, um, We've had really, it's really been a meaningful and enjoyable experience for me too. You know, I, I, I just think, uh, I, I know I'm biased. I know I am biased, but there is something to the Iowa state experience. Like you weigh, you, like you see the way that um, George Niang talks about Brock Purdy. Yep. You see the way George Niang talks about yeah. Tyrese Halliburton. You see the way that these guys, you know, and, and George learned that from, from, from Fred and I know Fred's in a different community now, but like just like the whole way you see these guys talk about each other and they always kind of have a little bit of, of an underdog mentality and, and it, it just feels what I mean, even Tyrese, right? I mean, he's an all-star, he's an all-star yeah, and he still Great. has just kind of a, a genuineness, like a lack of, of cockiness. Yeah. I think, think the way these guys always come back Brees, you know when he was on the podcast talking about uh his love for his teammates and it, like there's just it's something gen yeah. like you don't you don't come to Ames Iowa unless there's some sort of humility involved right you don't I love Ames you don't go to play sports in Ames Iowa Unless there's some sort of humility involved. And I think that's what's awesome. And I think it's so great that you guys, that we will, like, best of both worlds, right? Yeah, we're just trying to help. Again, our, our mission at the end of the day is just to help their Iowa State experience. You're dead on, Tim. Like, you don't – it's not easy to pick to, to be a Cyclone, but we want to make sure when you do pick Iowa State that you are valued and you feel welcomed and anything we can do to roll out uh, the Cyclone pride in you and the NIL is just another factor of that. It's it's a but it is it's just, it's just a factor. So is showing up, buying season tickets, all of those things. NIL is not the NLB all. It's just a part of the conversation. Perfect. Well, why don't we go ahead and take a quick uh, second? We'll grab a word from our sponsor at Revelton Distilling. Uh, Rob, we have not forgotten about you. We will grab a word here, and we will be right back with Brent Bloom. At Revelton Distilling Company, everyone has become a part of the Revelton family. From the Taylors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins, to the team who installed Lucy, our 33-foot-tall custom-made still, 
right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. Want to see the farm to flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45-minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind-the-scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer. And we are back. So, uh, Brent, before the break there, we were talking a little bit about what you guys do. I'm curious what you guys, uh, we didn't really talk about some of kind of the, the non-revenue sports. Yeah, and I think that's the challenge for us, and we would love at some point to grow large enough where um, those sports are included in our kind of our everyday processes. There's, here's Here's what I would say to everybody listening. There is nothing stopping any student athlete at Iowa state from pursuing their own NIL opportunities. You know, mm -hmm. we're not the only game in town for NIL. I think some people, which is, is good in, an, in one way for us, they associate NIL at Iowa state with, we will, what we've decided is until we grow our resources large enough, we're going to focus on men's and women's basketball and football. And we have provided some of those one-off opportunities for student athletes in those, what we call Olympic sports and the smaller sports, specifically those have run into hardships. Um, that's what we're there for. So if a student athlete has some issues that, that we can help with, or we've done that, but we hope to get to a point in the near future guys, where we basically have a stipend for each men's and women's basketball player and football player. That if, if you, if you're at Iowa state and you're one of those three sports, you will get a base um, opportunity package in NIL from the collective. Mm -hmm. And thankfully for us, we've, we fundraise well enough. And there's been so, so much good support. Always, always room for more says the fundraiser, <laughs> but we, we hope to by this fall, uh, be able to help out every single men's men's basketball player, women's basketball and scholarship football player um, to a certain extent for an NIL based compensation from the collective, which is, which is pretty cool and something we're really proud of. I'm but curious. Like, oh, go ahead, Tim. I'll let you finish no, I was going to say, I was going to say, we also have some of these, uh, technically non-revenue like you said olympic sports that are also really big at iowa state like wrestling yes. like, like the men's wrestling program so interestingly they had nil before nil even existed so mm -hmm. they have the cyclone regional training center which essentially operates as a nil entity that is dedicated just to wrestling and they have done an unbelievable job in fundraising for that that is dedicated just to wrestling and so they have resources uh, on par, honestly, with, with what we've done, even beyond what we've done, that is dedicated just towards wrestling. So they're now, can we help wrestling? Absolutely. But they they have a great head start of of their operation already with the Cyclone Regional Training Center. And if you're a wrestling fan and you're listening to this, please look into that organization. They do they do awesome work um, and are a huge part, I would say, of Kevin Dresser's resurgence, resurgence at Iowa State, what they've been able to build through that regional training center. So I'm curious uh, on the on the side of of the collective and so on. I know initially you guys had started off as more of retaining players necessarily than just uh, on the recruiting side. Yep. So that brings a question that I came up with today after seeing that Eli King had entered the transfer portal. Yes, you, I, want, I wanted to get into that. Yeah. Does that 
I mean, do you, when you do you get notice of something like that happening down the pike? Do you then turn around and say, "Hey, Eli," and I'll just use him as an example. I'm not yep. picking on him. You know, let come in. Let's talk. What do you need? What What does the process look like for that when you know somebody might be thinking about leaving and how you retain them? Yeah, I mean, and it's really up to the the student athlete if if they if they reach out and 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 say, "Hey." You know, can we can we have a conversation about this? We're, I, we're always open to that. So I'll just just be honest. Like the the part that the football and basketball staffs they cannot do anything to do with financial decisions. Right. So when it comes to the financials, it has to go through the collective. So really, um, it's in and we and it's a hundred percent fact. We will not pay a player in the portal or a. a to be freshmen until they're enrolled at Iowa State. So what we can do is we can share with a potential student athlete. These are, are the opportunities available if you do enroll at Iowa State, should you enroll at Iowa State. But we will not talk any type of financial situations until they're actually at Iowa State. And that's what the coaches can do too. They can tell a, a, a prospect in the portal, here's what some of our guys get in NIL opportunities every year. Um, once you enroll here, you can meet with our collective and you will be presented similar opportunity or whatever that looks like. Right. Um, but in regards to roster construction and everything else, um, it is pretty much on the coaching staffs to figure that out. Now, if they reach out, not the coaches, staff, the players, and they ask for assistance, um, we're willing to talk to any student athlete. But really, I would say all, most of that decision making is done by the coaching staffs unless we're contacted by it by a student athlete it's a good it's a good question and like eli an awesome kid yeah and from what i understand that was a a decision he he and his family made and ultimately he'll go play at a not that the big 12 was not out of his level but he'll go play and make a big impact at a you know at a level that um i would say is is, is not quite the big 12 i mean right. we, we we've yeah i was gonna say we we've seen plenty of Iowa State basketball players go on to have success. It, it, and that's the thing, guys, is it, it's still it's it's still a business. And I would say, especially in the, even in the football transfer season for Iowa State, um, there was only one player that I would say we, we wanted to keep and couldn't, which is a credit to our donors and what we've been able to do. A lot of these guys will still transfer for – just playing time or to right. to for a for another opportunity it has nothing to do with nil so yeah. i think sometimes that gets that's kind of misconstrued too of these guys are only leaving because of oh they got this big amount of money elsewhere has right. that happened in the past sure but ultimately these guys also realize if they want to enjoy their college experience they want to play too and so that's right. that's often a lot of it not exactly just because of nil yeah yeah play playing time being closer to home like whatever. all of it still matters yeah. right now there are some and you know Tyrese Hunter is front and center that clearly there is compensation involved and maybe he would have left anyway. I don't know Tyrese that we did not have a collective set up when he left. Sure. Um Tyrese is also the thing for the reason we have a collective because was, I think it was a wake up call for everybody of like this is the new reality, let's figure this out. Um but I would say he is atypical to most transfers. So so one thing <clears throat> that I do want to ask is um uh, you know you think about some of the bigger schools and the, and the donor, uh, the donors and the alumni that they have, uh, Iowa State certainly has some alumni and donors that have been like we've had some on this podcast for yep. instance, yep. right? Um, but uh, 
the relationship with kind of the 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 donors at Iowa State is maybe a little bit different uh, than some of the other schools. So, like, sure. what 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 does that look like? Yeah, and I I would say, and this is the uh, what's been awesome for me is I have a great relationship from my time at the foundation with not only a bunch of the higher level donors already, but also. Jamie Pollard and the people at the Iowa State Foundation and the Alumni Association. And I am 100% on board with the fact that we still need to fundraise as Iowa State for the Cyclone Club and for the foundation and for the Alumni Association. And not just, I'm not trying to poach, you know, their donor because, you know, we need the money too. It is a, it is part of, we are an and not an or situation with our collective. And I think the great thing for what schools can do now is they are allowed to work with donors and share with them information about respective collectives. Going to be honest with you guys, at some schools, the higher end SEC schools and the Big Ten schools are making so much money in TV now. So your Big Ten and SEC schools are going to be upwards of $100 million from their conferences next year. They're telling their donors, hey, you used to give us $50,000 for your seats or whatever, or your access. Let's just give that over to the collective over here. We're fine with the amount of money we're getting from our, our annual fund. You don't need to help us out here. We're, we're good there. Iowa State's not in that situation. I mean, Iowa State's got a lot of priorities that are in, important, not only for the athletic success, but like the Sidetown project would be transformational for the entire Ames area. And I'm so excited for it. So I am never going to tell a donor, Hey, Donate uh, we will and not to the Cyclone Club because Jamie's right. got facilities, he's got priorities, he's got all these things. Can we be an additional? Absolutely. And I, ultimately, I think that helps out Iowa State in the long run if you have competitive players and thus competitive programs. But we're just a part of the fundraising and the philanthropy in Ames and Iowa State. And I think those relationships we have with all those key people I would say the uh, what would cause some some waves this past fall was the University of Iowa didn't have as much tact with their collective and their operation. And I would say, uh, and Chris, you were at our event, having Jamie there, having a lot of other athletic department personnel yeah. there, in addition to the whole football staff, mm -hmm. hopefully shows to people, you know, Iowa State, we're never going to outspend people, but if we can all be going, rowing the same direction, that's the only way it's going to work here. So uh, along with that, uh the big kind of elephant in the room for all of these things is, is uh, conference expansion, right? Like, like yeah. what's going to be the future of the, of the Pac-12? What's going to be the future of all of these things? Because that's going to change uh, for you, I have to imagine, considerably uh, what you have to think of as a reach, quote-unquote. Yep. For, for no, you're, you're right. And those, honestly, the SEC and the Big Ten schools have a huge advantage. They're going to get so much revenue from their media partners that they could almost punt on fundraising. Yeah. And it's, so they have the, and plus they have these monster <laughs> donor bases anyway. Yeah. So quite frankly, it, if the SEC and the big 10 want to want to get a player, they're going to be able to get a player. It just mm -hmm. is. If it comes down to compensation, they will be able to get anybody they want. Even the lower levels are going to be making so much money. It's going to be hard to compete. However, the great news is you still have to play the game. Yeah. And, yep. Playing time matters. And so these players are also getting super sophisticated. Iowa State had a, a player who uh, you guys can probably put two and two, who was recruited <laughs> recruited heavily this offseason by several SEC schools. 
for large amounts of money, but he knew, well, let's, let's step back here. If I stay where I'm at, I love it in Ames. I'm already super successful. I'm going to go to the NFL and ultimately my NFL money is going to be way more than I'm getting at uh, SEC school. And I may not even start there because their talent is so good. Right. So actually I might hurt my chances in the, in the, in the long run by going somewhere else and taking the bag of cash. Right. So you've had these guys, these players are super, super smart and they understand at the end of the day, the ultimate money, even as much as is being brought in with NIL is in professional athletics in the NFL, in the NBA and playing time still is the great equalizer for everything. And these guys also want to have success. They do not want to sit on the bench. And so even though some of these schools will pay you more, um, th- these, the, the Iowa States of the world will be fine. Now I would be super concerned if I was a mid-major conference team right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I kind of feel bad for them. They just will not have the resources to compete. And you've already seen it. There's over a thousand players already in the portal. Most yeah. of those coming from the mid-majors. And a good example is like Iowa State poached those two guys from Bonaventure who are awesome dudes. Iowa State's going to be fine. I don't think Iowa State's place changes at all because it'll be right in line with your peers in the Big 12. Right. And it's not like we were going to outspend or out facility Alabama and Georgia and Florida anyway. Um, But as long as we can stay competitive with K-State and Oklahoma State and those schools in our conference, because, guys, the Big 12 still has that seat at the table in the college football playoff. And as long as you have a team, as long as you have that seat, no matter if it's only one seat, You'll still have a chip in a chair, I, and that's all that matters. Well, yeah, I was well, say, I, yeah, I would even argue uh, the Big Ten. Like, I live here, up here in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. right? And in Minneapolis, professional sports rule. Yep. Go for football, go for basketball. They don't give a shit. Yep. Iowa State has a better uh, football stadium. They have a better college game day atmosphere. Like, if you get college game day, ESPN college game day at Gophers, they have to be world beaters because it's a boring ass tailgate it's terrible no one gives a shit no one goes to any games at the barn what williams is cute williams feels a lot like veteran stadium in des moines frankly um i like they don't give it so even though you're in a major like major i don't know the top 13 yeah. top, top 15 yeah. metropolitan area right even though you're in there i College sports rule so much in some of those areas, or, or sorry, professional sports rule so much in those areas that college sports take a back seat. So even though they're major markets, if I'm going to be a guy that maybe is going to make the pros, I'd rather go to an Ames than a Minneapolis if I'm going to yeah. be able to be a bigger name. I, I hate to say big fish in a small pond, it's but true. but I, it, I, it it really is like like I mean. Gabe Kelcher has done way better at Iowa State than he did in, in, in Minnesota. And part of that is he improved his shooting and, and he got more confident and he had a better coach that, that was not uh, a whiny little petulant <laughs> child like, like, like little Ricky Patino. Um, but uh, but uh, that's, that's the thing about some of these markets like, like the Big Ten is they're all chasing these big markets, but they're big markets that – yeah, they're technically big TV markets, but they're TV markets that don't give a shit yep. about college sports. And then, Tim, what they're going to find out real fast is somebody still has to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You, know, you know, not all of them can win. And what they're going to end up spending all their money on, honestly, it's going to be in coaches' buyouts and new contracts. Right. So right. you are who you play. Yeah. So Iowa State's competition, I like a lot of people want to compare us to 
to Iowa and some of the other Big Ten schools. It's not like it. You, yeah. if you if you can be the premier team in the Big Twelve or at least in that upper half, you're going to be fine. Yeah, because that's that's really who your peers are. And so I'm I'm less concerned from from an NIL perspective about what Iowa is doing, and what you know Nebraska and Illinois are doing, or even Minnesota, because I know they're going to have resources that yeah. Iowa State just can't just doesn't have. Sure, but I'm worried about what K State's doing. I'm worried about what you know UCF's doing because those are the schools that you have to compete with. It's yes. it's because you're playing 20 games in conference against those guys. You're playing a one non-conference against Iowa. Yeah. Well, exactly. and by bringing those teams in and having the new Big 12, but now with the expanded playoff, it. I mean, I'm, I'm reluctant to say it's an easier path, but you can win easier and have a better shot at a playoff spot in the Big 12 than you can by moving to the Big 10 or the SEC. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's fair because because getting into the top of of your your <laughs> your division in but, the Big Ten is pretty easy. <laughs> it, well, would you rather be? So here's the question, though: Would you rather be Iowa State right now or Vanderbilt? No, you that's know? that. I'd rather be Iowa State than Missouri. I mean, Missouri. Missouri there's another one. Yep, there's a good example. I mean, they there's a the lot of reasons I'd rather be money. Iowa State than Missouri. Frankly. <laughs> But Have you been to Columbia? <laughs> I went. I, I've driven through a couple I, times. It's not anything. I good. went to a bachelor party in Columbia, and I got to tell you, uh, where do you, where do you go for that? Right. Uh, yeah. There's a sizzler down there in Columbia. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I I did mention old man strength after dark, and I feel like that might be a, a better appropriate conversation for that. Um, but no, no, I I do think there there is something where um, college sports still has a uniqueness in the college towns. Yes. Right, like, like literally, the only professional sports town that I can think of across the country is Oklahoma City. Like, I don't understand how Oklahoma City has any professional sports at all. But my point is, is that like there is something very different between large markets versus like markets that care about care. college sports. It, and that's why that is still the number one selling point for Iowa State. It's it's it's. If you come here, you're going to be playing in front of 60,000 people in football, 14,000 people in basketball. Look around. I encourage all Iowa State fans, they tell us all the time, go to a road game, and you'd be shocked at the lack of support at most of these places. And that is still the number one um, selling point for prospective student-athletes is you come to Iowa State, people care, you'll be revered, you'll have an impact in the community, people will look up to you. Yeah, will we be able to pay you? the the six figures that the sec school is probably not but we can we can provide something a lot cooler than that and that is that entire college experience which still matters yeah well I, like you you look at you know you look at men's and women's uh, uh attendance on basketball even during down years right even during steve prohm's two win season our college mm -hmm. attendance was still in the upper echelon frankly yep. right I, people care and, name and a, yeah name another basketball school that has students lining up for two days in sub-zero temperatures and tents for for two days to go to a basketball game yeah absolutely i mean you're you're right and that's why i would encourage people yeah sure would, would do i want everybody to donate to the we will collective if they can absolutely but at the very least continue to support even if that's just engaging on social media with the twitter pages or getting to as many games as you can there just because you can't 
donate doesn't mean you can't be a great supporter and it all matters. It really does. We're like I said earlier, we're just a part of the entire conversation and people pick Iowa state for a number of reasons. Sure. If, if you want to pick Iowa state because of you want to get the largest, largest bag, as the kids say, then it's probably not for you <laughs> as right. the kids say. Yeah. Right. But, but if you want, if you want to enjoy it, he experience is the youngest where, one on the, on there you the go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to trying to show my youth here guys. Um, but no, I think it's, I do. I still think there is a, and, and oh, these God. guys really do care about their academics too. Bad. Like that part hasn't gone away. It's still important. Yeah. And the entire Iowa State experience, it's a pretty special athletic department all the way around. And, and hopefully people realize that um, everybody up there is still trying to do the right thing and do great things. And, and I, I've never been more optimistic about the future of Iowa State. What one of the one of the I and I do not give the uh, the NCAA a lot of credit on a lot of things. One of the one of the credits I will give them recently is within the last ten years they've really kind of highlighted that most student athletes will go pro in something other than yeah, sports. True. I I do think it's a very clever marketing campaign. Now I do think that the NCAA has has kind of a duplicitous approach to that. Uh, one thing I I do think so we're gonna take you away from uh your your we will roll and just take you into your uh brent bloom uh sports college sports analyst type of role um uh big news out of iowa state women's basketball today that is pretty dumb if if i can say if if i can put it if i can put it as a nice way to put it eloquently and as as like intellectually articulate as i could possibly be it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't, I just don't know. I don't even know where to start with that. Cause it just doesn't. Why, why does Stephanie Suarez get penalized for these types of things when everybody else is, they're handing out other waivers like candy. Why right. does Trey King have to sit out last year right. when everybody else gets to play right away when he's a good dude that did all the right things. I mean, Suarez played at an NAIA level. She's been hurt multiple times. And by the way, I mean, outside of their stupid 30% rule, which, okay, they can stick to that as their number. She played like 13 games. Yeah, and it, so technically that's over the 30% rule, and those are the rules or right? whatever. But it's like, isn't the goal to give these student-athletes an experience? I mean, especially in all yeah. this. Student? Student-athlete? First of all, it, National Collegiate athletic association like mm. yeah, yeah so it, it reminds me of my favorite quote i think it was jerry tarkanian back in the day is you know he said kentucky committed all these violations so cleveland state got penalized yeah um, <laughs> absolutely yeah, right? it's just like i right. mean i don't it, literally bill self is in a okay don't I, you're gonna get me on a rant here of, That's of okay. all these things but it's just like why Stephanie's only done great things and she comes from a great family and she just wants to stay at Iowa state because she loves her teammates and she loves Ames, but you're penalizing her because she played three extra games. And the, then the, the rule says, even though rules haven't meant anything in the last two years since COVID. Well, not not even, not even as that, like you go back to, to when I was, was uh, in, in high school and college, just settles had like three (laughs) grandchildren and he still had like seven years. Like that goes way back then. Like we always joke about like Perry Ellis and Jordan yep. Bohannon. And, yep. Just settles had a like a pension and was still <laughs> playing college sports. I don't understand why 
it's one thing like to say, yeah, during the COVID, yeah, we gave everyone extra years, but they were giving out extra years like candy, and she yep. can't. She and she. And the other thing is just kind of from a publicity standpoint, what what does it hurt to give her the year? Right. Like who says no here? Right. I mean, if she she would be one of the best players in the country. You get her back. Um, it'd be an awesome story. But yeah. And but it's not like she's getting NIL money. Yeah. So that's yeah, the thing. Is international, that. yeah. international students cannot get NIL money. That's some something that some people don't realize is because yeah. it threatens their visa status. Yeah. Well, and, I don't and, understand it. You know, well, especially because because also, um, I'm sorry, women's, women's basketball needs more press. Frankly, like I'm not, I, I'm not saying that they have bad reputation, but they need really great press this would be a great story she's an amazing player what first of all what caitlin clark has done for iowa this year but what caitlin clark has done for women's basketball i think is huge i i cannot Agreed. i cannot understate what what caitlin clark has done i i i mentioned this when i was having brunch with amy i i think she's a generational talent I really do. I genuinely do. And what she has done to the point that, like, you know, NBA players are tweeting about what she does. Like, that is huge for women's sports. And here's a perfect opportunity for the NCAA to say, we care about women's athletics. We care about uh, college athletics. We care about all of these things. And I... I don't know. It's just I don't know who that hurts other than the rest of the Big 12, I guess, because she'll be back. But even then, it's like, <laughs> right. she didn't even play in the Big 12. I, it's just, I, I don't understand it. I think I think the NCAA is, is they know they're losing their power. They don't have a grip on things like they used to. And they're, they're, they're holding on to whatever slightest hammer that they can hammer but down I, but on. That, they they've completely that, dropped the ball on everything else, Tim. That's that not even a, at, that's, not, that's not even a hammer. Like, you want a hammer, you could have hammered down on It's on, the only hammer they got. You gotta no, there's no, that's not. You gotta hammer down on Bill Self and Kansas Athletics. You you could have a, a billion other things you could have hammered down on. They're hammering down on uh, a a talented woman who has done everything right, who has been a victim of so many different circumstances, many of which are beyond her control, and that in three extra games is suddenly going to be like the deciding factor. I'm sorry. Like again. Just Settles and Perry Ellis and Jordan yeah, Bohannon I, played in like 17,000 games. They have more career games played than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, frankly. <laughs> um, like, I do not understand why you why you cannot give this this woman who has done everything right. And again, to Brent's point, not eligible for, for NIL. She's already playing uh, as an international player who can't have access to these other things. She's literally saying, hey... In a world where college athletics is constantly losing athletes to the pros, she actively wants to be a college athlete, and you're turning that down. I don't think it's a hammer. I think that's just uh, – well, I'm sorry. I, Brent, I, you're going to have to apologize. I'm going to have to apologize. Like I already went off on a rant on uh, the, the Regents a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you heard me do this. <laughs> I um, Bring it back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, the, the, everyone who makes decisions about college and college athletics has forgotten what college was. 
Uh, and I know I know that's a broad sweeping statement, and that's not entirely true. And, and there are legitimate, like, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, friend of the podcast who doesn't remember her name, Jamie Pollard. I do think that he, he I, I, I do think that he understands, especially because he's had, he's had kids in college athletics here very yep. recently. I, one of my favorite things about him uh, for, for all of the challenges that I've had is that he does understand the student athlete experience. But there are so many people uh, making decisions for college athletes that don't understand either college or athletics. And so what's going to happen is uh, there are, there is a movement within the power of five schools to eventually break away from the NCAA and create your own system. Yeah. That won't be um, a thing. Yeah. And it's just, the NCAA will be gone then at that point. And I, I would, I would venture a guess that in the next 15 years, you're going to see some sort of movement Either the NCAA is going to try and overcompensate and try and get power back, or those bigger schools are going to break away entirely. And by the way, if those big schools wanted to have their own NCAA tournament and just not participate, the, the, those schools would make so much more money because the NCAA just pockets literally billions of dollars a year and it funds their entire year. Well, what's to stop the, the power conference from doing their own tournament? Nothing. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. they run college football themselves right now. The NCAA. So I don't, I don't think that's in the near term. But decisions like this, it has to make schools like Iowa State going. Well, what's the point here? Why are we getting penalized for the discretions of others? So uh, th this does bring up a whole secondary conversation that we've never had on this podcast that I've always wanted to have with with someone uh, that actually has an ear to college sports. Um. And my apologies to people who like college baseball. I have no problem with college baseball. College, the Iowa State baseball was killed when I was in college, mm -hmm. so I am very hurt by that. I, I'm, I, I will, I will admit my wounds, um, but also, no one gives a shit about college baseball. Let's be honest; they don't. You know why? Because there is a minor league program. Minor league baseball means way more to baseball than college baseball does. Sure, a lot of great major league baseball players go through the college program, but a lot of great major league players go and play at Muscatine Community College, right? A lot of major league players start pitching out of high school at, at for the Quad City River Bandits, wherever the, the hell they are called right now. Uh, you College is... is or, Really, like even the NBA has kind of conspired against that, where they wouldn't let guys like they had yeah. to have like one year. Like, yeah. What does that one year mean? I, I I still don't get that. You have to be nineteen to play in the NBA rule. I think it's the dumbest rule, right? And the NFL, like at least the NBA has the G League. NFL doesn't even have that. Mm -hmm. I think. I think the reason why the NCAA has had so much power in football and basketball is because there's no minor league program. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I mean, you, there's also the argument of the NFL and the NBA have greatly taken advantage of college athletics because it's free marketing for them for their next superstars. Yeah, I mean, it, it's honestly thinking of it now, it's kind of obnoxious that NFL players cannot enter the NFL until three years out of high school, yeah. and they are forced to play for free almost yeah. in college and then market themselves. But it's not only market themselves, it's also it gives three years of tape for the NFL to figure out 
who's draftable and who's not. Right. And so also the, the, the NFL average career is what, like four years, like three or four years. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they, I, I don't, I, so I actually kind of feel bad for college athletics in that context, because it's really is the NBA and the NFL that's taking advantage of them on that end. Um, I do agree with you that it's, it is silly. Some of this stuff, it's like, well, what, what, what's the ultimate goal here? I mean, specifically for some of the non, say the non-revenue sports, it, it should be a part of, and that's why there, there's been a movement for some schools like the, the Ivies and even like the Stanford's of the world. Like, we're just not going to participate in the, the revenue generating parts. We're just going to be, we're going to go back to the, the late 1800s and being a student athlete is just going to be like, you're going to play on a club or an intramural team. And we're going to refocus on academics. And there's also a movement guys that I, I honestly think it could go this way that the football and basketball programs will become almost completely professional and it'll be like the basketball team at Iowa State University. So these students would not even be students anymore. They would be just wearing the branding of the school where they're at. And they'd be considered professional athletes then. And it'd be a minor league system, basically the G League, but at these college campuses. That's the extreme. I don't think it'll get to that point. I still think there's a value, as we talked about before, to an education and being on campus. But call to your point, Tim. We, 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 yeah. we, can, we can have Jamal Tinsley all over college sports. That's fine. Right. <laughs> but there, <laughs> we're going to face it. There's going to be a reckoning in the next five years of what it, what exactly is college athletics? Because there's a movement. The NIL is one thing, but the NIL is not the end of it. These guys are going to want to be full-time employees and get health benefits and get retirement benefits. And you could argue that they're do that. So here's a stat for you. Of the 100 most popular TV programs last year in America, uh, 85 were NFL games, 15 were college football games. Not any network TV, not a TV show, not a newscast, not the NBA, not Major League Baseball. It was college football in the NFL. And as long as that's the case, there is value in college football specifically. It's not going to slow down anytime soon because media rights continue to go up. But it's just a matter of time before people realize, well, wait a second, why are we paying the NCAA to do the thing we can do in our own conferences? So I think you'll either sort of break away by the Power Five, uh, and I think as part of that, these players will become employees of the conferences specifically and or of the schools. So it's changed. This The NIL thing is just the first step in this, um, and, and it'll be it'll be 10 years from now if we do this podcast. It'll be completely different. I would not be surprised if the NCAA doesn't exist in the Power Five at all. I think the NCAA exists to run your Division Twos, your Division Threes, and those types of things, and maybe some of the Olympic sports. But I bet basketball on both the men's and women's side and football eventually creates its own system, good or bad. No, I, I think it's a great take. Um, we're going to take a, a, a second here to get a uh, word from our sponsor, Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage. Uh, but we also have a question that we want to ask you, Brent, when we come back from that. So we will take a second to hear from Kyle, and we will be right back. We take a minute from this Three Beards Media podcast to listen to a word from our sponsor, Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage, from our series of questions on what to expect when buying a home for the first time. Um, I know that something when my parents moved um, into their new home when I was in high school, uh, they had something called a home warranty 
which mm-hmm. kind of helped them if things broke down, um, kind of helped pay off. Do you recommend new home buyers to get that home warranty to help pay some of those, to help with some of those expenses that might come up? Yeah, uh, typically you can get the seller to pay for it. Um, your realtor will work all of that out for you. But mm-hmm. typically the seller expects to pay for something like that. Uh, the nice thing with home warranties, um, and you'll want to do research on them. You want to talk to your realtor and I can go through those with you as well. But typically your realtor will have someone that they've worked with and they've had good success with. And the nice thing with them is when it's renewal time or after that first year, they're probably, they're going to send you an email or call you, you know, at that 10 month mark and say, Hey, do you guys want to renew this? And typically you'll just pay the same four ninety five, six ninety five, whatever that dollar amount is, and you'll renew it for a full year. So let's say if you buy buy a home and the furnace is, you know, twenty years old and you get a home warranty the first year and the furnace, you know, keeps on going, more than likely if you buy a couple more years of home warranty, that furnace is probably going to give in. And you'll end up paying, you know, the deductible and they'll replace the furnace if that's part of your home warranty. So that's one of those things that's like an insurance kind of deal right there, would you say? Uh, Similar to, yeah, it's, um, you know, typically coverage on a house. Once again, uh, you are listening to Old Man Strength, the podcast of Three Beards Media. I have not probably mentioned Three Beards Media. Chris. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Three Birds Media and what we all have going on? Because I think, first of all, you're in like seven podcasts. Now. <laughs> I'm not in seven. I kind of feel I'm like not. you're in eh, pretty close to. Yeah. So I've got tell, the best beard. So that's the reason why. <laughs> I, first, that's a, a that is not true. Um, uh, but B, you're just the most thirsty for attention. So why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners, please, about all the things we have going on at Three Words Media. Yeah, so we just launched our, our brand new revamped website, Amy, from Hot Mess Happy Hour. Uh, worked you, really uh, hard on revamping the website and launched our merchandise site. So we do have uh, merchandise for Three Beards Media, Old Man Strength, uh, Sigh of the Storm, and Hot Mess Happy Hour. I got to tell you, the side of the storm stuff, uh, Brent Curvey and Marcus Pfizer and George Trice uh, wrote, uh, did a little signature. We embedded those on some T-shirts and stuff with their numbers. It looks pretty cool. It's some cool stuff up there. So go take a look at that stuff. <clears throat> um, false starts with Bill Blank. Uh, we, we had Lindsay Fennelly on uh, a week and a half ago. Absolutely. Uh, that to was tell her story. Crazy, that was really way. good. Um, and we are working on getting guests that – the main point of that podcast is to just kind of help men talk about their mental health and and bring it out in the open. So and then uh, and if, yeah, if there are two men that really need to like, we need some stuff talking about your mental health. I think we you need and some Bill. therapy. I I, I Bill love especially. you especially. I I love you, Bill. Uh, Goddamn, dude. Uh, we should get Bill and Brent on and talk about referees. <laughs> That's what we should do. Oh, man. Don't no. get me started. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, oh, geez. Oh, God. You don't want to physically like <sighs> kill them, though, like Bill. No, Brent. I would say literally, literally, <laughs> literally, Brent is probably the antithesis of Bill because Brent will defend referees. I would love to have a conversation with Bill Blank about officials. Like literally, oh, we can make that happen. Brent, okay. yeah, Brent will, will Brent will defend him to the end of time, and I, Bill will 
feel a referee for looking at the wrong direction during a non-consequential break. I think I could I could stare down blank like Fran did that official, and I'll turn him around. <laughs> I'll turn him around in time. Just give me a chance. <laughs> That's so great. No, absolutely. Mm. Uh, so yeah, uh, we we do have a ton of things. Uh, if you guys aren't checking out Hot Mess Happy Hour, um, those those ladies are uh, uh, not bad for Hawkeyes. Uh, no, they're smarter and funnier than we are. Um, they are a hot mess. It is not an <laughs> ill-named podcast. Uh, we have so many things going on. We're really excited for everything we have going on. Um, I'm pretty excited when the old man strength merchandise uh, uh, outsells the side of the storm. I really hope that the uh, Tim Johnson signed jersey out- outsells the Marcus Pfizer outsigned jersey. I'm just saying. <laughs> Tim's jersey comes in a kitty size. Just <laughs> I feel you there, buddy. <laughs> no, so, so. anyway, ah, uh, uh, oh, come damn, enough of that. Um, thank you guys very much for, for sticking with us. If you have been with us for this long, you know we're talking to Brent Bloom. Uh, uh, Brent, we do have a question. Brought to us by your friend and ours, Steph Copley. Okay. Um, she she challenged us the very first ap- uh, appearance on Old Man Strength because she is neither old nor a man. Um, <laughs> so she uh, she she already challenged us. But Chris, I will go ahead and let you ask the Steph Copley sponsored question. And by the way, well, it's, it's actually not the Steph Copley sponsored question. It's the Kyle Layman's sponsored question oh my goodness yes yes this is why tim's not in charge yeah well that's fair so the uh the the steph copley is the shut the fuck up because tim never shut up on the podcast and she's finally told him to shut the fuck up so she could say something we'll get to that here in a couple minutes okay the kyle layman uh question always is um brent bloom 2023 you go back in time you can talk to 2013 brent bloom what piece of advice are you going to give him oh my gosh um wow uh try and prevent george yang from breaking his foot if possible um no uh that's you know for me it's try and enjoy even the hard times i would say i mean i think and everyone's gone through this that you know my favorite quote is success isn't linear there's going to be ups and downs and ultimately it's the the journey that's the the best part and if you would have told me 10 years ago that i'd be running uh an operation that compensates student athletes at Iowa City, i would have thought you were you know effing crazy uh but it, it all works out and i and you know my one of my mottos is and it's maybe it's cheesy and i'm overly an optimist but it's you know, always look for the the bright side and things. And uh, I would just encourage myself to keep doing that, um, whether it's through parenting or jobs or life in general. And um, but yeah, I mean, I just just keep on keeping on every day is a little bit different and enjoy the people you're around the most because that's what matters. So you mentioned being a parent. Uh, what what do you have for kids? I have a so a soon to be five year old Everett. And a three-year-old Theo, so two little boys, and they 
are a lot at times, but also a joy to be around. My my near five year old is now totally in on sports where he will talk to Alexa and Siri. And all he wants to know is what are the NBA scores? <laughs> I'm not Oh, I'm so sure. so so he's he's the eighteenth NBA fan in, <laughs> he in is, Iowa. He is. He is he's <laughs> potentially officially and I think the third Orlando Magic fan. Um, he gets really fired up to know and they're not very good. So he always always disappointed. I, I but no, I, it's I, been it's been fun. Uh, it's been fun seeing him enjoy like it, the the process of figuring out, okay, my dad likes this team, so I'll like this team, and then now he's starting to understand what the scoreboard means and one team is winning and the other team is losing and how do you get points in basketball and how many points is good. And I'm like all these things that you forget about, like we all had to learn this at one point in time. I love, I love, I love the, my dad is a fan of the sea. I grew up a Dodger fan, right? I didn't grow up in, in LA. I, I grew up a Dodger fan because my dad grew up a Dodger fan because yep. he, he was a Sandy Koufax fan. Uh, it it helped yep. that in the eighties though we had Fernando Valenzuela oh, yeah. and Oral Hershiser and Kirk Gibson and we got all of those teams so we got the we got the eighties the eighty eight World Series yeah I mean I was I was my American League team was was the Twins so eighty seven and ninety one certainly helped me and I Absolutely. live up here in, in Twin Cities so I'm very uh, happy to do that but I grew up that eighty eight eighty eight was a very weird year for me because I hated Kansas but I also loved Danny Manny right. That's an interesting dilemma there. Okay, I ha- I hated yeah. I hated Kansas, but I loved Danny Manning, and not me. Uh, 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 I I couldn't deny D- Danny Manning, right? Uh, Eighty eight. Um, I I don't know why I didn't want to like uh, uh, a lot of what was going like uh, the A's are were a weird team for me, like. 88, I hated the A's, obviously, because uh, they're playing the Dodgers. Dodgers 89, sure. I love them over um, uh, the Giants. Uh, 90, at 90, I picked the Reds over the, the the A's. Like, it was a very weird period for me. Um, I, boy, God damn it, Danny Manning. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> Danny, and the, Danny and the Miracles. Yeah, absolutely. I was four. When that happens, okay, that's the kind of stuff we don't need to hear. <laughs> you were like eighth grade, weren't you, Chris? In eighty nine, I was no, a freshman. In, in eighty eight, I was a senior in high school. Okay, okay, so so yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, can you tell us much about older. what? Can you, can you tell us about what what college was like back in the eighteen fifties? Um, <laughs> no, I no, I I uh, I, I, I got it, just as drunk as you did. That's, 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 that's as the I one said in a job interview once. Give me a give me a tube and a funnel and four beers, and I'll show you. Yeah, still that still hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah. No, no. That that is fun to to like understand like what like you carry on your dad's sports legacy. It, so it's yeah, it is cool. I mean, it's been fun just to to see him kind of figure. It, and it was actually I I got him out of daycare, so he's almost in kindergarten. So he's last year of preschool. And I, we watched the uh, Iowa State Pittsburgh game together on Friday, and I was clearly upset because, again, <laughs> I think we just couldn't make we a basket. It. Everybody gets right. it, and so he's watching with me, and he's playing on his tight hoop and he, or his little, you know, whatever small hoop. And yeah. he goes, "It's okay, it's okay, Dad. The girls play tomorrow." <laughs> and I was like, "Man, I think that's helping." <laughs> but it was, it was, it was kind of fun that he now gets it that. We like when Cy wins, and we don't like when Cy loses. Spoken uh, like so, a true so, Iowa State fan. Say, yeah, there's always so, next year. Right, yeah. So, I once, so, uh, 
when the, when they're playing on the, on that taiko hoop and one goes over the back and you're like technically over the back is not actually, <laughs> yeah, <the> actually <laughs> <laughs> we had to have a long a long discussion on a legal guarding position the other day yeah. <laughs> it was good it, it's funny that you know we bring our kids up to 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 uh live our sports and like our teams and i can remember taking caitlin to a to a uh iowa state game we played north dakota state it was, I think, Alan Lazard's first <clears throat> first game, and we were up seven nothing, and she's screaming and cheering, and we oh kicked off, and they ran that touchdown back, and you could just see in the thirty seconds of her screaming, <laughs> all excited, and then she was just like, and I go right there is a microcosm of your next fifty years of your life. That's what that's, well, welcome <laughs> to going to be like. Welcome to pain. <laughs> so, absolutely. Well, oh, now we might stuff. be ready for the Steph Copley. Okay, yeah, no, no, no the, you're you're right. Uh, this is the the Steph Copley shut the fuck up segment. So, so Brent, this is your opportunity to talk about whatever you want to talk about, and Chris has to look there, like stand there with this stupid look on his face while you talk about whatever you have to say. Hey, everybody! It's Steph Copley, the woman behind the STFU segment on the Old Man Strength podcast. When I told the guys I wanted to sponsor this segment, they recommended that I make a charitable donation instead, so that's what I did. I chose the Young Women's Resource Center in Des Moines, Iowa. They're a nonprofit that supports, educates, and advocates for girls and young women ages 10 to 24. Their whole goal is to make sure that these young women become strong, self-confident, and successful. And if you know me at all, you know that aligns with my goals as well. If you're interested and would like to donate, check them out at ywrc.org and donate today. And remember, don't forget to STFU and listen every once in a while. Thanks. I, man, how do I don't even know what have I not talked about at all? I'm not, I'm not even sure. Can what? I let, let me share? Okay, I want to share this because this is this is hilarious for people cycling people that that will uh, will know this. So I actually I met Chris Williams, okay, the legendary Chris Williams. <clears throat> we were both in the same journalism classes at Iowa State. So we again, he's from he's from Shenandoah, or he's not from Sprint, he's from Clarinda. I'm from the suburbs. And the very first class I took at Iowa State was Journalism 101. And this, pardon my language, this asshole behind me was super obnoxious and loud, had earrings and bleach blonde tips, and he just would not hit it, stop hitting on this girl behind me and just nonstop, like for all semester. And I couldn't stand this guy. And then I realized, okay, this guy now writes for the paper too, and his name is Chris Williams. I was like, hey, this guy, I hate this guy. He's got his earrings and he's obnoxious. And long story short, we're in a bunch of classes together, but I would not talk to him because, like, this is the the worst college bro I've ever met in my life. And then junior year, we're in a political science class, of all things, and it's my 21st birthday, and it's, like, a Wednesday night. And I he overhears me talking to some friends, and, like, what are you doing for your birthday? I'm like, well, I'm going to go out with my parents and, you know, maybe get a beer or two, but nothing. He's like, and, and he interrupts us. I've never talked to him in my life. He goes, that's unacceptable. You're coming out with me. And I was like – I don't even know you, pal. Like, who are you? He's like, no, you're coming out with me. So I ended up going, eating dinner with my folks, having a couple beers. And then Williams and I hit it off. We ended up at size roost till one in the morning. We ended up at Perkins. His girlfriend at the time picked us up at three in the morning. And we've talked almost every day since. So he went from this college bro that I could, this douchebag that I couldn't stand to, 
and we've been pretty much best friends ever since then. So just the beauty of college and and how Chris <laughs> Williams and I ended up meeting and uh, the rest is history. And I still I still get on him every once in a while for the bleach blonde tips when he used to have hair. Uh, uh, that's 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 very sweet, uh, Chris. As a uh, a alumni of this podcast, um, I'm very glad that Brent and I shared the real story of your college experience because I feel like you highly exaggerated your experience. Yeah, he, um, and I okay <laughs> between us because he won't even listen to this. I so he had a Tuesday column in the Iowa State Daily. I had the Thursday column. And I th- and this is before I knew him. I said my column's way better than that guy's. Like why? <laughs> some things, some things never change. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! <clears throat> I, so Chris, there, there, there you go. That that's the story. I always like to tell that story to bring Williams back down a couple notches. Uh, no, I I literally I think uh, all of Psycho Nation thanks you for yes. for taking this that guy Just down. Remind a remind him of his earrings and and bleach blonde tips next time you see him. I will. Oh my god, I can't. I, first of all, I can't imagine with the earrings. I like I had earrings, but I went oh, to I college. Can. I could see I, that. I had college. I went to college in the nineties. That was like, yeah, we had those things. Bleach blonde tips. I can't even imagine. Uh, Chris having tips to bleach. Right. Um, <laughs> oh my God. That's fantastic. Um, uh, God, uh, Chris, do you have any other questions for Brent? We really, it's we're getting late. We should we no. should ask Brent anything else we can ask him. Um, Brent, will you come back on this pod, please? It, anytime, guys. No, I had a blast. So I'd, honestly, I appreciate all the work you guys are doing and. Um, you're, you guys are great. Rep- Some of my favorite follows on Twitter. I know Twitter can be a bad place, but what I do appreciate about Twitter is you get to feel like you're friends with people like you guys. And I feel like we could sit down and have a have a beverage, have a Revelton, and, and we get along great. So next time, let's do this in person. Look at that plug for our sponsor. Yes, like yes, that is amazing. It. He's like, you know, we might actually be having a one year anniversary uh, get together at Revelton and in the next couple months so let yeah, me know i'll i'll try and i'll try and get down there for sure that would be fantastic yeah no brent you you are one of those guys that for honestly for as long as we've been like i said twitter adjacent for a while i feel like you know i have already known uh vaguely of each other and it's been great and, and so i'm very grateful you came on to join us uh, i'm very gr- grateful that despite uh, having to deal with Chris, you decided to to show up on this podcast. Everybody has a cross to bear. I don't know. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> guys. I enjoyed it. Reach reach out anytime. Appreciate you guys. Um, uh, uh, last thing that uh, though, Brent, we do want to give you the opportunity. Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, uh, we will collective. Anything else you you could talk about? Uh, 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 your mom's angel fire page about turtles. I don't care. Uh, anything you have. No, honestly, and, and it's I encourage people to check out WeWillCollective.com and um, every everything does make an impact. So even if you think, well, I'm not I'm not Steve Sukup, I'm not a big donor. It, what the big donors like Steve are super encouraged by is everybody participating. So if we can get everybody even to give a couple of dollars here or there, it means a lot. It it helps me with my messaging to the big donors, like, hey, you're not the only ones that have to to participate here. So. And we will collective.com. We're hopefully doing it in a positive way in this crazy world. And, and certainly appreciate everybody's support. Um, I love being a cyclone and, and can't thank you guys enough for the opportunity to talk with you and, 
and hopefully we'll get together again soon. Absolutely. So once again, folks, you have wasted way too much of your time listening to, to uh, Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards Media. Please go ahead and check out all the other podcasts on the Three Beards Media Network. We have so many things that are way better than this podcast. Some things you're going to really enjoy listening to a lot more than all of this nonsense. But we're very grateful. Please go ahead and check out our sponsors at Revelton Distilling. Rob and Christy Taylor are doing some great things down in Osceola, Iowa, so please go down and visit them. Please go ahead and check out everything that they have at Hy-Vee and Fairway and anything else, anywhere else, I, frankly. I, I don't know. I, I live in Minnesota. I have no idea where you can buy booze in, in Iowa. I think it, it's like in a come and go in like, like somebody's backyard. You can get but, it wherever. <laughs> <laughs> but please go ahead and check out everything that, that Rob and Christy Taylor have going on. At, at Revelton, please go ahead and check out Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage as you are looking to buy your home and everything that you have going on and everything else we have going on. Once again, I am Tim Johnson, joined by Chris Shipley, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>